Hey there, thanks for checking out the show. On today's episode of Deconstructed, we feature my conversation with Trevor Moore. Trevor Moore is many things. He is a stand-up comedy magician. He is also a ACAC golf coach. He is a coach in business. He is an entrepreneur, and he is dedicated to mentoring young people in business. Trevor and I talk about coaching and seen through lines and common threads through both his line of coaching and in the classroom. I learned a ton from this conversation. I hope you do as well. With that said, I give you Trevor Moore. My guest today is Trevor Moore. Trevor Moore is many things. He is a speaker a magician, a comedian, an entrepreneur, a coach in both business and professions. And I saw him pull the toilet paper trick on Braxton Fox when he presented at the ACAC uh, championship. So I vouch for his skills. Trevor, thanks for coming here. Thank you for having me. It's great to reconnect with you uh, and possibly be on the same side of the fence. I know we uh, we wore different colors in college uh, with golf when I was coaching and when you were playing, um, but uh, always enjoyed our, our, our short, quick, casual conversations on the golf course. So I look forward to taking these further. Yeah, and we can both agree that we hate McEwen, so it's good. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. The biggest competitors are right there. <laughs> they're, 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 everybody wants McEwen in the radar. Of course, if you're top dog, you got to take him down. I wanted to have you on because you had just presented at our teachers convention, which is online. I was like, huh, I forgot. I really like Trevor. And I also have him on a list of guests that I already wanted to talk to because I remembered that I already really like Trevor. But this was a good excuse for me to be like, hey, Trevor, do you want to come and talk to me? And you're like, you're so kind to say yes. So what I wanted to go through... Uh, just for the rest of today is kind of how you came to do so many things and so well. Uh, and then we're going to pivot to coaching and then we're going to pivot to something that you left just at the trail end of your intro about the game of life. I'm really interested in uh, that piece. But we're going to save that to the end. So uh, how so did you kind of get to be all of these things? Yeah, you know, it's a funny scenario. It, it, my life is certainly a mixed bag. My my friends refer to me as semi-retired. Basically, I uh, tell bad jokes, play cards, and hang out at a golf course for 90% of my day. Um, but that's the nature of being a golf coach and uh, doing magic and comedy, you know, in, in that scenario. You know, there are things that were within me. They were, they were things I was passionate about. Um, I would say you don't find coaching. Coaching finds you. Um, probably much the same to teaching. You know, you don't find the role of a teacher. You 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 Teaching finds you. It's it's there. A lot of times, you know, the things I, I have that I do now were either hobbies that kind of went rogue, became passions, it became jobs, um, or they were things that um, I, I, I decided at some point in time in my life, either consciously or unconsciously, that I needed to become the person I needed in my life reflectively at some key times um, where, you know, I could have used this resource or this mentor or this person in my life. And I decided that I was going to become the person I would have needed for the next person I can find that maybe needs that person. Um, so it's sort of a case of, you know, um, I don't want to say cracks or holes in the situation or the systems that we work in. Um, I just felt like as a, as, a, as a youngster, I was a bit of an outlier. Um, and I don't feel like some of my potential was tapped because I wasn't engaged properly as an outlier. And I was sort of left on the sidelines. Um, and I think that if, if I would have had a coach that, that would sort of fit my philosophy and engaged a little differently, and not to fault them. I mean, you can't you can't get to everybody as much as we want to, and we wear that that on our sleeve. We we you, you can't. It's just it's such a tall task. But 
I, I really wanted to to make sure that if I could find somebody, an athlete or an entrepreneur, or for me, a uh, mental health scenario, I mean, dealing with depression and anxiety, if I could be of support or assistance to somebody who is going through a challenge in any one of those realms as an athlete, an entrepreneur, or a coach, or a leader, and I could be a sounding board or somebody to sift thoughts with for them and, and shed the perspective of where I was. That's kind of how I ended up going into those directions. So golf was a passion. I loved golf. I played hockey. Golf was a good off season. The idea that entrepreneurship was going to come to the equation really came when I decided that I wanted to coach for a living. Um, I wanted to make an occupation of this. Then I decided I needed to become an entrepreneur. Um, and the magic and comedy was something I've always done. It's just kind of fell along in the sidelines. It was, I always say it's a business by accident. Um, I love it. I've been blessed to do some great things with it. And uh, it's, it's such a fun part of my life. But at the end of the day, it seems like a lot of things, but it's all, it all revolves around me and who I am at my core. Um, that's the scenario is, is we, can, we, can, we can jump into many different arenas, avenues, or venues in life. Um, but how we act in those venues will be the same. It'll be us in all the one of those venues. So really it's, it's, it's me. It's, I bring one thing to everywhere I go and that's me and my personality and my characteristics and my strengths and my weaknesses. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question for you much, but it was uh, a long winded answer, but yeah, it, it just sort of evolved. Right. I kind of want to go back to the beginning of that evolution as you mentioned it so you, you mentioned that you're an outlier and I, I kind of have that same feeling for myself too growing up and reflecting I was like oh yeah I was kind of on the outs which is I think a net positive now but it sucked at the time uh, and you also mentioned you're on a path to rediscovery what kind of switched on that path to rediscovery because I feel like that's a pretty big moment probably a before after moment yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the rediscovery for me came, um, I, I would say if I could track this back, a big, big moment for me, a big shift for me in my life in every capacity would have been roughly 10 years ago. Um, I went through uh, a journey um, through chronic pain and uh, it was, uh, I mean, I'd always had you know depression and anxiety. Those had always been a part of my life and, and I'd managed them well, but I woke up one night inexplicably in the middle of the night in excruciating pain. Uh, it took us eight years to find a diagnosis. I lived off and on crutches for the better part of eight years. Forced me to park the active side of my lifestyle. And uh, and, and and it left me a lot of time with my thoughts. Uh, and those weren't always good. Those weren't always the right place to be. But that's where you are. And when you're in pain, that only amplifies depression and anxiety. And that became a huge moment for me where I really started to separate or realize who we are and what we do are two completely different things. And um, I need to find a little bit more of who I am. And the more I'm in touch with who I am, the more I realize it's not about anything in particular. It's not about whether I can you know, run and play soccer with my kids. It wasn't about being active. So that was a big moment for me is when something was stripped away from me and forced me into this real big moment of reflection where I was like, well, future me is not gonna exist in the way that the former me did um, because of limitations. So it was how can I take the pieces of me that I love, that I'm passionate about and move forward with? And it comes back to a, a sort of a philosophy of mine, and that is that we have to own our weaknesses. Um, when we own our weaknesses, a few things happen. First of all, when we own them, we can then leverage them into a strength. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. But the other one is when we own them, the world cannot use them against us. They are only ammunition against us if, um, if we haven't owned them, mm -hmm. right? If someone, if someone taps a spot that you're self-conscious of, it's hard, it hurts, it can hinder. I mean, it, it can come across as mean or cruel, even though it wasn't intended that way. But if we own that 
that that weakness and we know it exists no one can catch us by surprise by identifying it for us um so it, it it takes that leverage away and it really comes down to kindness as an inside job we need to love ourselves and be kind to ourselves for those weaknesses so that we can then leverage them into strengths and for me in that moment where i was really in a dark place with chronic pain and depression and and then this pivotal transition in my life understanding where i wanted to go forward i had to really come to grips with a few things and a couple of things that came through as much as i hated the chronic pain and being on and off crutches it made me a better coach it made me understand um you know empathy and, and understanding how to how to connect with people and understand that sometimes their life isn't the way it wants to be even though it may look like it on the outside and and all of that chronic pain journey armed me with great information that made me a better connecting engaging and listening style coach so it, it helped me in that respect the depression the anxiety made me super aware of how those things or external influences can impact people I'm working with. So those were gifts. When I owned those, I turned those into a strength. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder is the root of the anxiety, super neat and organized, which is great because it allows me to operate in many different realms and stay organized and on top of it. So it was just important for me. The big reflection in that time was that I, I came into the scenario where I really had to realize that kindness was an inside job. And as long as I loved myself for my weaknesses, and owned them the world couldn't use them against me and i could also mm -hmm. pivot or leverage them into strengths that were going to make me better at the things i chose to do that's uh that story really rings true for me i don't know if you know this or not but i actually had a i had a dental procedure done the other day so i had to teach like this well people you're not seeing this at home i took my tooth out it's absolutely hilarious but uh i had to teach like that for a week so I had to get up and yeah. present and lecture with my tooth out. And I had this choice. I was like, I'm either going to get rattled by this or it's going to be funny. And it's going to be a powerful, teachable moment because at some point a student is going to be hopefully not that disfigured, but uh, yeah. they're going to have to give a, present, a presentation for a week for eight hours in front of 30 people times four. And you know what? Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? Because it's it, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you've read an author in a second here because I suspect I'm sure. hearing a lot of it in it. But uh, Marcus Aurelius says, it's nothing is good or bad. It's thinking that makes it so. And I think that's kind of what we're both saying here. I wanted to just pick out a little bit more your philosophy on being consistent with what you wanted to be. Because I follow or I, I read this book uh, by Gary John Bishop. I says, it might be landing. It might not. We'll see. But he says it. you have to take actions consistent with who you want to be. You have to do violence to who you were. So you were doing violence to who you were. And I think a lot of people here in COVID are kind of going through that metamorphosis. We've been stuck inside for oh, 12 months. Yeah, and uh, exactly. it's like, it's like, okay, well you, you spent, you had all this taken away from you and you had to recontextualize it. It's like, okay, what do I make of this? And uh, I can either turn this, these lemons into lemonade or I can keep eating this shit sandwich, but it turns out one's more fun. So let's yeah. do the best we can, right? Yeah, and that that's exactly for sure right is to get into that situation it is so hard um we, we have this tendency to 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 immediately look to the victimized side of the equation first i think we all do it instinctively do you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh in mm -hmm. some respects some people get out of that place a little quicker and they start to get to the solution side of the problem um and and that is such a, an important one it's, it is so important to um to to be consistent with who you are and and be organic and be authentic um, especially in a day and age where we're dealing with stuff like this, we're dealing online, we're teaching online, we're coaching online, business is taking place online. Um, connection is more important now than it ever was. And it is so important that we understand what we need to get through to the other side and we need to figure out how to be present in the other side of the room. And it's not the information that creates that presence, it's the personality, right? 
Um, we, I always say we, we bring a mannequin and together on the other side of that screen, we'll determine how to dress the mannequin. Like are we putting on beach clothes or a three piece suit depends on where we're going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you have to really be willing to, to, to be open and honest about where your limitations are and move forward, have a vision for where you want to be. And, you know, we, we talked through COVID, you hear the, the word specifically in the business world and in teaching as well, when you move to the online realm, it's the old, we've got to make a pivot. Mm -hmm. We've got to make a pivot. And we do. Life is always about pivoting. But the thing we need to remember is if you think of a spectrum and you've got pre-COVID on one side and post-COVID on the other, we don't pivot around pre-COVID or post-COVID. We pivot around the axis, which is us. Mm -hmm. And 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 you, the, the methodology changes, but the, the morals, the values and the circumstances and the personality don't. Do you know what I mean? We, we yeah. change the evolve the circumstances around us. So if we're organic to who we are and we understand what fires us up and, and where we're passionate, and from a coaching perspective, that's just so important in terms of engaging with people is they have to, they have to, to get to know you so they can learn to like you and trust you. And that's a big part of that equation in teaching, coaching, or leadership in any, any perspective. So um, it is important in, in, to, to make those moments. You know, we, we all have messy areas in our lives, but the, we, we, we fail to often tell those messy scenarios. Um, you know, we, we, we go to a lot of scenarios or we go to a lot of professional development conferences. And what we do is we sit down and we listen to an hour's worth of best practices. But the reality is what is going to be most impactful is people listening to an hour of how you arrived at those best practices. Mm -hmm. How did you fail? How did you ever have the forethought to look in that direction when you were there? And sometimes you earn those, sometimes you learn those, and sometimes you yearn for that answer. But that's the scenario is we have to really sort of look at that situation from that perspective and that paradigm. And, and so often how we're viewing the problem is our problem. Um, most things are very solvable. Um, we can solve it. We just need to determine what it is, right? Right. So I think that's, as you're, as you're speaking here, I'm kind of putting it all together. I was like, he's a performer, he's a coach, he's an entrepreneur. I was like, wait, that's all the same thing. You're a leader yes. who likes to solve problems. So like, when do you think yes. that you kind of figured that out or when did it kind of click like, oh, all of these stars have aligned and it's like jackpot. Yes, it, it's funny. I had a conversation with somebody one time and they asked me, they said, well, golf coaching and magic are completely different. I said, no, not, not at, at all. Like they are, when you look down at the root framework of what I do, I'm a storyteller. Um, I will, I will tell the story and all I do is I tell different, some people, some people read sci-fi, some people read nonfiction, some like biographies. And you know what, those are just the different environments I work in. I'm a storyteller and I will use stories to help reshape, reshape your thinking or shape your view on something so we can problem solve and move it forward. And that is true. That is magic. That is comedy. But at the end of the day, as a magician, um, I have to stand up there and sell a concept. I mean, that's entrepreneurship. It's sales. I've got to get people believing in this situation. I also have to get people to believe that they're seeing the impossible. And that's teaching and coaching is I have to tell you that I know where this is going. And trust me, it's going to be pretty cool when we get there, even though you can't see it right now. And then I have to make sure they're having fun getting from A to B because first and foremost, everybody likes to be entertained and if they can learn through that process like you said those are not as loose all of the different things i do they are just different venues mm -hmm. right sometimes i'm on stage in a theater sometimes i'm on stage in a conference room sometimes i'm on stage on a hockey bench or a tee line at a golf course but at the end of the day it is all the same thing we're selling concepts we're selling hope 
and, and, and vision were doing those things. So they're all the same. They really are. The skill sets are identical. And so many of them cross-populate. Like when I look at um, as an entertainer, one of the things that we see so often as entertainers is, is struggling on stage with what we call the second conversation. And that is watching what the audience isn't saying. Are they elbows on the table? Are they leaning back and relaxed? What is going on? And as an entertainer, you get really good at reading body language. Mm. And when I started getting really good at reading body language, it became one of those scenarios going, you know, this works on the lesson tee over here. When I'm coaching a hockey player or a skier or a golfer, and they're saying one thing, but their body language is telling me something completely different. Uh, it helps me understand whether we're hitting home with the point. And maybe I have to reshape the concept we're looking at, or I have to ask a few more questions because we might actually be solving the wrong problem. Maybe it's a different challenge than I was originally perceiving. Um, so yeah, it's funny how they all come together. Like they are so threaded together. At the end of the day, um, I, 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 what do you call me? A professional storyteller, uh, problem solver, a professional brainstormer. Um, some people call me an analogy ninja. I've constantly got stories and analogies that, that create the situation. Uh, it doesn't matter. It all comes down to the same thing. And that is, um, I, I, I specialize in communication. I just use different forms of communication and I use those communications to help foster uh, interest and, and lessons and help foster inspiration in that situation in every capacity of my life. So I use, as the session you watched, we talk about what I call teammates in disguise because I don't believe coaching is a job title. I believe coaching is a trajectory and we are all on that trajectory whether we are a student or a classroom that student still has a chance to coach somebody in that school that's in a younger grade level in terms of what this school culture is about and how we so we aren't just solving someone's problem we're helping create a situation where they can facilitate the message further back down as well or forward in their life so coaching is 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 a is a, a, a heading right it's where we go and i use that process when i coach connecting engaging listening teaching and inspiring where that process I talked about teaching is only one fifth of the process I use when I coach people but on stage it's the exact same scenario except the word teach changes it's perform it's connect engage listen perform inspire when I'm speaking it's connect engage listen speak inspire so it's really only the actual one hard skill set that changes in the piece so that's only 20% of my day the other 80% is synonymous in every world getting my children to eat their fruit or their Cheerios, getting my kids in and out of the bathtub or on bed on time. I got to connect, engage and listen before I can parent and then inspire them to get through with the task and um, in relationships with my wife and entrepreneurial. So it's all about relationship building. I love to leverage human connection. So I'm just going to give you an honorary teaching degree because you sound like the teacher that I want to be in the classroom. <laughs> not only are you trying to entertain me, which you should because learning is fun, but also like, I view teaching as a form of a performance. Like as you're seeing, it's like, uh-huh, yes. uh-huh. I checked the answer. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, where do you think that comes from? Like one of the things that I, I, I got to back it up. One of the things that I like yep. to do is share my mistakes. Be honest, be vulnerable, be authentic. And I think that transfers from teaching to inspiring, to speaking, to entertaining, whatever it is. If you speak from truth, I think that I think that's the secret through line through all of that. Would you agree? Yes, I feel like there's a huge difference between motivating and inspiring. And, and uh, motivating is lighting the fire around someone in hopes that they will respond. Inspiring is lighting a fire inside someone 
so that that response goes with them no matter where they are. So in a classroom setting, for example, you have a student, you're like, you do all the homework when I'm looking over your shoulder. Yeah, well, they're pretty easy to be motivated when you're on them. They're doing it to avoid the consequence. They're not doing it to succeed. But the child on the other side of the room, you're like, you know what? They never look like they're working in class, but their homeworks are done every time. They're inspired to do it. They'll just do it on their time, but they're gonna get it done. There's a difference between inspiring and motivating. Right. Mm -hmm. Huge difference in that scenario. And by the same token, every message starts with a mess. And it's one of those things. The easiest way to inspire people is go, can I tell you a story about a similar time in my life when I'm mm -hmm. guessing you're frustrated, you've given up some hope, you don't know where you are. Let me tell you this. I was starting a business. This happened. I went here. And then people are like, wow, OK. Um, and, and, and they can relate to it. And when they when they feel like you can connect with them or, or relate to them or understand them, that's a powerful moment. It's a very powerful moment. Um, you know, my favorite math teacher in high school was self-admittedly one of the worst math students herself. Mm -hmm. But she understood that it wasn't just about number crunching. Sometimes there was a mind block. There was tension. There was you did well in the assignments, but you struggled in tests because you had testing anxiety. Like, where was it all working? So she was really good at solving the whole picture to help me get better at math because she had to develop those strategies herself. And that is what made her impactful. So at the end of the day, we become the collective sum of our messes and our messages. And we can use those to inspire others and hope that they can find a way to relate that message forward, to be vulnerable. Because getting someone to, 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 to take action on something that's a little bit scary or might hurt them a little physically, mentally, or emotionally is a tough task. We've all been there. We all hate the word change. But... If I can be vulnerable enough to be willing to fail, mm. I can be effective enough to succeed. Yeah. Most people just can't get past the vulnerability of failing. Um, and that is a tough one. But when you're in a room of people who are going, I failed, I failed, I failed, to be like, so I'm not alone. Okay, so last night, this is the thought that was going on in my head. I got to share this. And then you explain it and they're like, yep, every entrepreneur goes through that when they're going through their marketing and revisiting stage. We're there. We need to help people understand not just the answer, but how you can formulate that answer. Um, and sometimes it's not the two plus two is four. There are other things that have to go into the equation. We have to understand what might be stopping them, right? So as a teacher, I feel I'm doing a very similar thing. I, I view teaching as like I'm up top and they're in their desks and there's an angle yeah. that's created there. But the more I bring myself down and level with them, now we're learning together as opposed to me talking down to you. So what I do is like, here's all the gravel roads that I fucked up on. I'll pave them for you. Let, let you know, yeah. don't go, don't go over there. Go right, go right. Left is yes. bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to share all of those and be like, and then I'll model my thinking, like what's going on in my head? What went wrong there? Like I need to celebrate yeah. these mistakes. I actually try to get questions wrong on purpose in science class and I wait for people yeah. to correct me and they can't, they, I'm like, I did that on purpose. Like, no, you didn't. I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like that's kind of what I'm about because it's like, well, yeah, I'm teaching you how to balance a chemical equation, but I'm also teaching you how to be vulnerable. I'm, I'm teaching you to take criticism. All of these things are yeah. hidden in here. And I'm going to tell you, oh, by the way, you're going to forget the O in oxygen. You're going to forget that because I forgot that all through high school. All right. Yep. That's where you're going to screw up. I'll tell you that right now. But I also try to give them tips. So I, I say as a scientist, which I'm not, but I'm a scientifically interested person. I was like, I watched yep. my kids in science 10. And you know what the 95 kids did that the 85s didn't? They did X, Y, and Z. So now I have 50% of my class who's doing the 95% habit and they don't know it. They're, they're like, yep. And then all of a sudden the results come in and I was like, whoa. Class average is like 89. What? 
because they all are like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to start acting in the way that I want to be, which is kind of what we're looking for. Yes. So we're talking about failures and I like to celebrate my failures. Do you have any failures yep. that you have that came up in your journey to where you are now that you're particularly like they're treasured almost like you learned so much from that? Like I wouldn't yes. trade that failure for the world. Yeah, I mean, we, how long can the podcast go on? I mean, honestly, the reality is there's tons, right? And I mean, if I were to look at it, let's just go to the simple one because this is one that came up earlier and it's on my tip of my tongue. Um, in the entrepreneurship world, I mean, when, you, when you're providing a service, when you're speaking or entertaining, it's, it's a very tough world in terms of starting the business and learning pricing because it's not the industry standard is 25% markup on hard goods and 80% on soft. Like there's no industry standards to like take the wholesale price and just add a percentage. In the speaking world, it's one of those, how do you value yourself um, and, and how comfortable are you with that value and how are you going to be able to sell that? It's a, it is an arbitrary number. It really is, right? Like there's no way of going, well, that speaker charges this, so that every speaker must charge that. Not at all. There's very different scenarios. And for so many of them, were, um, I, I look back in, over the course of 20 years of performing, and I look at what I, I used to charge. Um, granted, as you get better, you charge more. That's just excluding that from the equation. Even if we were to um, bring this up to today's scenario, um, I had an, an example, and this is one I use in the business side of the equation, is I had... Uh, used to do close-up magic, so card and coin tricks and sleight of hand magic, and and I would do them at cocktail parties and 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 banquets from table to table, and I would go and I had a rate that I would use for an hour, and that rate was a hundred dollars, mm -hmm. and it was like okay, um, that's my hourly rate to perform magic, and eventually I was coaxed into hopping on stage at an event, and uh, in the event. They said, well, it's a 45 minute slot. What do you charge? And my first thought was 45 minutes. That's 75% of an hour. So I'm, I'm 75 bucks. And uh, they paid it. I got on stage. I did it. I started looking for stage work at $75 until someone's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, my time is sort of what I perceive as this. And that's, they said, but you're, it takes way more time and energy to perform and prepare to be on stage than it ever does to perform close-up stuff. At a close-up scenario, you basically take the same five to eight minute routine and do it 50 times a night at every table. You don't need a different routine for every table. You need a different routine for every room. You're building new lesson plans in your world, right? New material every day. It is infinitely more. So to, I had to make this, I had this mistake where it's like, wow, if I would have known that sooner, but the paradigm had to change, right? I was looking at it as the dollar perspective. Um, same thing with, with a, a sales perspective. At the end of the day, sales is just all about relationship building. When we sell something and whether this is, um, whether this is uh, entrepreneurial or in any capacity, when we sell something, we don't sell a product or a service, we're selling a solution. And we need to understand their pain points, their challenges, their desires or their needs. And we need to show them that we can solve that for them. Right. So at the end of the, you need to know this to write this test at the end of the year. That is your need and that is your pain point. That is your challenge. Um, I need to help you understand that I can solve that for you. And we're going to work through the mental and emotional side of this. We're going to talk about effective study habits because sometimes you study, you're not studying effectively because you don't sterilize your environment or exactly, or you, you, you know, I mean, you needed too much red, you had too much Red Bull or you didn't have enough Red Bull, right? Um, but we're going to walk you through all of the things that cumulatively shape that piece. And I can solve the mental, physical, emotional, and the tactical needs that you're going to take to solve this problem. It's not one dimensional. It's four. We'll get you there. 
I will help solve that. And their thought is, okay, I was super nervous about this because my brother's two years older than me. And he said, this is the hardest chapter in math 10. Okay, well, I've already knocked down the idea that I've identified that you might be a little nervous or stressed or what have you. So um, that's the service. When I really realized that we were selling a solution, not a product or a service, that changed everything for me because then I realized it, it, it comes back to how would you sell that solution? You, you, have, to, you have to connect, engage, and listen because you have to make sure the solution fits. I mean, it doesn't matter how good my dog food is, if I'm targeting people who don't have a dog, um, there's, there's, there's no relevance. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, some people are going to struggle in that math class because they don't understand math. Some are going to struggle in that math class because they don't take testing well. Some are going to struggle in that class because they don't keep their home environment clean and sterile to be overstimulated. Some are not taking care of their dietary hydration and sleep needs. And, you know, there's all of these reasons and I've got to help get people there. I have to look at this holistic approach. But yeah, that's the solution, not the product. So we're both relationship makers, you and I both, in business, yeah. in teaching, in in coaching. So how, yeah. when you approach a new client, whether business, golf, or even an audience, how do you establish a relationship? And like, what's the difference between a one-on-one -on -one versus a one-on, say, 50 or 100? Yeah, a lot of different scenarios. I mean, sometimes the the one to, 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 to 500 or one to 100 is the same as the one-to-one. -one. Sometimes they're dramatically different. But at the end of the day, the difference, obviously, looking into a group setting versus a one-on-one -on -one setting is a one-on-one -on -one setting, um, we need to, first of all, work specifically with that person. So we're going to spend a lot of time getting to know the individual. Um, so if we're talking golf as an example and you slice the golf ball, that's great. I want to talk to you about, you know, when did you start the game? Why did you start the game? That's great. How often do you play? Do you play any leagues? That's good. Did you meet your spouse playing golf? Um, do your children golf? Um, all of these types of things. What club are you a member of? And, and try to get into their world a little bit, having nothing to do with the conversation we're going to have about what needs to fix or change to solve the slice. Mm -hmm. But we've got to get them into that receptive mode. And, and, and the, the scenario is, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, it's very easy because there's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, dialogue-based conversation. So you, you can have that conversation and determine sort of where you're going and where you're being pulled with where you're going to work on today, right? in that capacity so it's a little different because you get a little bit more personal before you get in so you're starting deeper with a one-on-one -on -one in terms of the person you're working with you're starting way deeper and a far more known answer you know this person so mm -hmm. that's the general philosophy of a one-on-one -on -one type of delivery when you look at that group setting you have to try to figure out what is the common denominator in the room and sometimes that common denominator i always say let's not even look at, at the simple one um if i was going to sell barbecues the common denominator is I need to go walk around a barbecue trade show. Um, if I can bring everybody together around barbecues and everybody has a common point of interest or a common scenario, we've bonded, we've connected. Now we can leverage the whole group energy to move mm -hmm. forward. It's creating a common full or a common focus. So in a group setting though, there's a little less back and forth. So you're trying to forecast, you're trying to research and find that group, a little less personal, but it's also a little less fun for me as a coach I like the one on one, like I like the real little details, right? But it all comes back to that conversation and, and, and kind of getting yourself rolling. Um, in that situation, you're trying to, and if we took two principles from entertaining into this equation, entertaining, we try to get volunteers on stage. I learned a long time ago, this goes back to answer the question earlier, what is something you learned along the way? When you walk out of the crowd, you're like, would you come on stage and be my volunteer? People would say no. And now you're standing in front of a room full of people. You're like, uh, awkward. And you walk to the next person. And once that first person has been allowed to say no, 
the second one is going to say it too. And now it's a lot of crickets as you work through the room with that note. So in the entertainment world, when you walk out, if the answer you need is yes, you need to engage them into a mind frame where they forget that they want to say no. So it's get three yeses from them before you ask them the question you want. So it'll be like, how you doing your name? It's Susan. Are you having fun, Susan? Yes. Perfect. Are you enjoying the conference, Susan? Yes. Now, uh, safe to assume this is a teaching convention. You are a teacher, Susan? Yes. Excellent. Susan, would you please join me up on stage? But now they're like, yes, because you know what? You, you, you got into their world a little bit and you converse with them in their level. And that doesn't fall every ever. They always come on stage, but you've, you've walked them into that situation. Right. So sometimes you have to meet them where they're at and get them not thinking, because if you ask them, how's the weather, they don't have to think about the answer. It just comes. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put them in a position to be thinking about the answers. You want them to just be answering honestly, genuinely and relaxed so that when you get them to there, they do want to come up. They're just scared to come up, but you're, you, you've got them. So mm -hmm. that was a big one that I learned from the entertainment world that works big time in all capacities is you've got to get them talking a lot and getting them answering quickly without thinking instinctively before you can get to the big question. So why do you think you're struggling to write tests? You know what? I get nervous. I'm scared to fail. I don't want to disappoint anybody. Now we're getting to the real solutions. Yeah. Right. But you have to really connect that in that early piece and you have to get them talking in their world and comfortable in their world before you have the big ask. So that was a big one in the entertainment world. That's why I had to have you on because I knew that you had both of these facets and it turns out teachers have to do both. So I'm at the front of the room and yeah. say I get challenged by Johnny or Susie. If I immediately yeah. come down to the throat, that yeah. end of relationship over and that's crowd control. Instead, I have to flip it and I have to de-escalate it down. It has to come yes. down. It can't go from zero to a hundred. I can't smack them or else well, I could, but yeah. then no one would like me. Yeah. And we've already yeah. talked about you, you learn from people you like. So why would we, why would we yeah. corrupt that? Uh, yeah. So we have the the principles of crowd of crowd management over here, and we also have uh, how you teach. And you kind of dropped a nugget that you like to really look at minor details. So uh, I was interested if you know anything about do you know anything about first principles and like the idea that you re reduce everything to its most simplest form. Uh, I don't know it in the the term first principles, but yeah, um, the original yeah. causative factor is another way to look at yeah. What is yeah. what is the seed that this grew out of? Like, how did we get here? Because right. It wasn't about this. Is that what you're applying? I'm assuming is like yeah, that. Yeah. What, what's the three steps removed? Yeah. So as a coach, and this is kind of where I wanted to go with that, was how do you go and teach your, say, a golf, uh, an ACAC college athlete? Because I remember you were telling a story about your one of your prized female golfers who is not performing up to her talent level. So how do you walk yeah. that back as a coach to really look at the very basics of what where where what is the first piece of this machine that went wrong how do you do, how do you go about doing that bottom line it's through asking a ton of questions so um a long time ago i heard a principle and i don't know if it's uh, attributable to someone or if it's just a, one of those mythical principles that seems to make sense but it's it's the idea that you need to ask a question three times three different ways before you even come close to smelling the real problem um and 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 that that's a big piece for me that really matters and this is where getting to know the person um, and being able to relate to the person. Because at the end of the day, I will at some point in time in this session have to share a story. So I need to get to them and figure out where I can connect with them so I know what story to tell them. And I'm going to teach 
the curriculum, so to speak, parallel to that story, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times you're going to see similar traits, right? It's one of those scenarios where, I mean, I think it was, I think it was uh, Joe Rogan. I mean, he was quoting somebody probably because I'm sure this wasn't a Joe Rogan quote, but it's um, uh, how you do something is how you'll do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, because you will be everywhere you are. Um, you know, everywhere you go, you will find yourself. That is where you are, especially when adversity pops or rears its ugly head, you resort back to your instincts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I know that when, when we look at this, it's one of those, you know, when we're trying to find the, the challenges that a player is working with, yes, our first job is to teach the tactics because that's going to hit 50% of our audience. They're going to be like, okay, great. Two plus two, four, got it. Here's some worksheets. See you guys tomorrow. Like that's going to hit the max, max, big chunk of the room. Remember, I was an outlier though. Right. The first run or the first draft of any lesson plan went right over my head. Done. I I wasn't going to catch it. I was I'm not going to be engaged with it. it just wasn't going to happen because I was just I struggled with it with anxiety and things like that. But as an outlier, so then you have what I call teaching. You go to what we call interactive learning, which is kind of like teaching in the group setting a little bit more. So it's one of those. Now we're going to take a few Q and A's. I can't answer thirty kids' questions and answer 30 questions, but I can answer two or three really good questions thinking that those will then blanket to, because those answers will resonate with four or five more. Now I've got 80% of my room on board. Now we got to get into coaching to get the last little bit on board. And for them, it's not the ability to understand the content. It's not, it's something deeper. So we need to start looking at other areas in their life that might present the challenge they're looking at. They're either scared or, or fearful or resistant to the awkwardness of change. They don't want to be vulnerable. We need to find there's a root here somewhere that is hindering this. Let's look at the deep piece. So it's one of those, so asking questions. Um, so for example, if I was walking into a situation like the ACA scenario, you know, you're, you're walking, you're talking, you're like, and we've gone through all the tactics. We've done all the, the check boxes for the first three or four phases. Like it's not sticking or it's not applying. Why is it working on the lesson T, but not working in, in the environment? What is different? Mm -hmm. Outcomes, expectations which now leads, okay, so we've need to maybe unpack some different reasons. So it was like, so, you know, talking, we got into what other sports play? Well, you know, I played basketball and we just talked about life and other things. And that's where it came out in the conversation that it was just performance anxiety, just really struggled to maintain perspective around competing and playing. And um, it, it came out of the old, you're not the first coach to ever have this conversation with me. Like my basketball coach, my high school math teacher, my volleyball coach, like, so it was one of those, this is a you thing, not a player thing. It's a person, not a player, but we had to get there. So you kind of have to go through that checklist and take your low hanging fruit. Um, and, and, and cause you know, you have those people, but then you have to really go, if anybody is still lingering around, they haven't left. So they're not a disinterested party, mm -hmm. right? People are like, well, we don't even want to be here yet. They came. Well, they have to, well, they didn't. I mean, no, mom and dad didn't handcuff them to the desk. I mean, they could have not gotten on the bus. They could have not walked in the school. I got so many things to add to that, but I, I want to start off kind of, I'm just like, it's blowing my mind, the similarities between your approach to performance and I guess my approach to teaching. My first 20 minutes of class is a 20 minute slide of me just destroying myself. Here's a picture with a perm. This is what I looked like in grade 10 with a pop collar. Yes, I was a douchebag. And on and on and on we go. And it, it, it reminds the kids, and also I like to travel and I play golf and I have two dogs and I, this is, caramel macchiato is my preferred bribe. If you screw up, caramel macchiato. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, like to, I like to introduce a little humor, but remind them, hey, I'm a person. I'm not a teacher. Yep. I'm a person. Yep. Okay, now that yep. I'm a person, let's let's do this. 
Now, as far as uh, I, I kind of want to revisit the golf story because uh, that story reminds me of me. Uh, my dad yeah. always used to make fun of me. He's like, he said, it's a line from David Duvall. He said, you're like a Volkswagen Jetta. You're great around town, but you can't get out of the fuck or on the highway. So <laughs> I'm great at cameras, but I am dog shit anywhere else. Everywhere so, else. Uh, how do you approach or how do you invite kids to realize that there's really not anything on the other side of fear? It's, it's, a, it's a prison you've locked yourself in. Yeah, because it's one of those things where, you know, if you can relate to them in some way that 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 courage is just fear in motion. Mm -hmm. Courage does not mean the absence of fear. Mm -hmm. So if you think you are any less scared than that person on the other side of the tee box, you're kidding yourself. Mm -hmm. You're both scared. Mm -hmm. One of you is going to choose to do it in light of the fear and just continue forward. And the other is not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. One is going to go forward. And, you know, it's so important to let athletes or anybody in any situation know that, you know, you're, you're going to fail, but there are so many things that can come out of that failure. And my job is to help you find the lesson in that failure. So it's now a learning, not a loss. So W's and L's aren't wins and losses. They're wins and lessons. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I don't care what you shoot today. We're going to walk off that golf course and debrief what you learned today. Mm -hmm. Because the game of golf, the game of life, the game of hockey, tests and chapters and books and classes you, you have slumps, you have goods, you have bads. You study hard, do everything right, you get a bad test. Uh, you get a tough test-taking teacher. Like you get all these situations. So if we hang ourselves based on that simple moniker of success, based on what the world tells us success is or measured by, we're going to be in trouble. But if we can take this test for its significance and find out what the big piece of this is, what is the lesson that we are going to take out of this today that will make us better at tackling this tomorrow. Let's find the internal tournament. We all mm -hmm. love to compete. The biggest competitor that you're competing against is yourself. Like step up to the challenge. Like you would, you would go toe to toe on the tee box with anybody outside of yourself, but for some reason you won't bet on you. Mm -hmm. And you've done all the work and you know you've done all the work. You've hit all the shots and you know you can hit all the shots. The only person that needs to bet on you to change this whole thing is you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Doesn't matter if I'm willing to bet a thousand bucks, it's whether you're willing to bet a dime. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and really trying to get people into that situation and understand that, you know, let's let's remove these measuring sticks. Those are the outcomes. Do you know what I mean? Those are the outcomes, mm -hmm. right? Um, when I work with people, we, we talk often, I, people are like, oh, I, I'm, I'm really making progress. And I always challenge them, you're not making progress. Progress is an outcome. You made a change of attack, a change of action, a change of mindset. You made a change. That change bared fruit and that fruit was the progress. But we don't get to make progress. We get to make changes. Progress is the result of the outcome. So forget progress. Forget it. You can't make it, right? your actions and habits will determine what progress looks like. So let's keep the focus on what really matters here. And lo and behold, it takes care of itself nine times out of 10 on that side, right? Um, and that's that's the big thing for me. I just think it's it's so important that we get into those situations where, because we all have those scenarios where in some level of our lives, are, are, we, 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 we're an underachiever somewhere. I mean, statistical odds say we're all underachieves. It's just, we, can't, we can't be, amazing gifts at everything we do. Um, but it's it's one of those scenarios. How do you leverage your strengths in or your weaknesses into strengths? And you right. might be a bit of a streaky player. You can get it low. You might be high. I'm okay with that. And you need to be okay too, because you're not on the team to be the dependable guy. Mm -hmm. You're on the guy, you're on the team to be the guy 
who can show that you got to sleep on it and come out with a new perspective each and every day and battle hard no matter what the day before looked like or did not look like. That is who you are. Can you be that guy? I don't care if you're 72, 92. Could care less. Mm -hmm. Can you be that guy that can show the whole team how to recover mm -hmm. and how that it matters to take one step and don't let a bad day ruin your life? Um, and, and that's the thing is trying to find those people's strengths into the big picture. I guarantee in any team or in any setting or any scenario, it has so little to do with the success of your core pieces. It's your core pieces willing to embrace and accept the outliers in the equation. Mm -hmm. It's the teams that are wanting to shake the hands of the rink attendant when they leave each day. It's the teams who want to make sure nobody is left out. I mean, we don't all get along, but we're not going to have a party and leave him by himself. Like, you know what? You guys go do the that. We're doing this. Like, we'll bring two groups together and take the stress out of the situation. Like, it's it's how you your group is willing to leverage the outliers. Mm -hmm. And those, those outliers become the heroes on the team. They become the heroes in the classroom. Like, it's like the class average. We wanted to go up 2% class. We went up 2%. And you know why? Because he got 100 this week. Like, he's mm -hmm. the hero today. How good do you feel? You came for the extra math help. You studied. You are the, if we did the math, you're the reason the class average went up and we're having slurpees on Friday. Like you start making the hero out of the outlier and showing them that they can, they can contribute to this picture. It is not how they look. Every hockey bench needs an energy guy. Mm -hmm. You have energy guys on the ice. You need energy guys on the bench. You might see less ice time than everybody else, but you, I need you to be sucking for oxygen because you're talking a ton on the bench. Like you need to be yelling, screaming, shut, you know, firing guys up. Like, can you, can you be my, my noise guy? You're going to play all 60 minutes. Just half of it's going to be strapped to the bench, but you're playing, you're a part of the picture, right? right? Create roles. We had a, a kid, I'm, I'm going off in a, a big direction. This is a fun one for me. Um, we have a kid. Um, it was his first year playing hockey and he, he jumped into year like year four or five of structured hockey. Like, that's a pretty big ask. Uh, and he wasn't even a skater. So it wasn't one of those, oh, I skated forever. He just had, didn't have a stick in his hand. Mm -hmm. Kid, this was it. His parents signed up for power skating and the kid signed up for hockey. Like, whew, this is going to be some work. This is going to be some work. But it's one of those really quickly, um, I need to make sure the team loves him so that he can love himself and what he does for the team. And then he'll have the best chance to become the best he can be this year. And our team will live and die with how good he gets, not how good our best player gets. So how do I get him inspired and fired up for, for, for the game? And this is still, you know, quite young age. And, you know, he wasn't, he didn't score. He, he hardly, hardly ever had the puck. Right. Um, and his, his interest level is dwindling. So we started talking about, you know, winning races to the puck as a team. Right. And the whole team is like, you know, at this level of hockey, we got to win races to the puck. I mean, if you win races to the puck, the team that wins more races to the puck will win more hockey games. End of story. That's just how it's going to work at this level. It's all about races to the puck. And, and you need to leave the bench and you need to go up to that bench. And I want you to tell me before you go out how many races to the puck you're going to win today. How many, how many, how many times you're going to win a race to the puck? And then at the end of the shift, tell me how many times you did. Like that's what's going to matter. And athletes being athletes, they they are super rosy about the gray stuff, right? Like, you know, they're like, I touched it 321 times that shift, coach. Like, that's just an athlete, right? We're like, I didn't, I exceeded your expectations. <laughs> I refereed but, hockey, trust me. They live in the gray zone. Oh, yeah, my God. Exactly. Yeah. But the scenario that came in is, was he wasn't scoring. He's like, oh, I'm frustrated, not scoring. I said, really? I said, I didn't even know you didn't score. I mean, obviously I did. I didn't even score this year. Because I, I was literally watching the number of times your line scored when you had 
one erase to the puck that shift. And he's like, yeah, they, they do score a lot when I touch the puck. Like he was, now he was, he was just organically imparting himself in the equation. And then he just, now he was inspired to start winning some damn races. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden it was like, he was going to dive sliding on the ice if it meant touch the puck first so we could look at the bench and give me a fist bump going, I won the race. Yeah, it was an all out dive to touch it, but he won the race. That's what mattered. And he just went out and created chaos. And it, 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 he, he, he was actually like a fourth line grinding forward in second year Adam. Like that isn't the thing, but that's, he was, that is who he was. He was just a part of the team. He created havoc. He gave the, the top players time to catch their breath. But he loved it. And he was just all about winning races to the puck. And then if you don't win the race, coach, what do you do? Well, then you battle for the puck. Okay, I got to win a race and a battle to shift, coach. And then it, it, it progressed. But we gave him a job. We gave him a role. We gave him a reason to belong. His, his line mates were now pumped for him. Like, you'd, like you'd, you know, you'd, you'd huddle up coming to the bench when you scored a goal. They would huddle up with, his, with him when he, when he had, a, had, a, had won a race. Like, it was a big deal for him. It was a big deal for the team. And, and they all rallied around that one thing. And that's just so much of the classroom is trying to find ways to connect and engage and leverage human connection and, 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 and really understand that your outliers are not the detraction from the learning. Your outliers are the most critical piece of learning stimulation that's going to take place in this room. And this is the piece that is going to teach you the ability to talk leadership um, and, and friendship and kindness and, and self-help and self-care and vulnerability and, and all of the life lessons. Um, the fact we have a textbook in our hands for science or math is irrelevant right now. That's just kind of getting done. Um, I'm not even sure how it's getting done sometimes, but it is. We're all having fun. It's just, it's getting done. Like sometimes the lessons just go that smooth. You're like, I don't know how they all did so well. I think we spent eight minutes on it one week. I wanted to cover it in four classes, but they got me off in a million directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got them in the right directions. They were so inspired that they went home and learned it and they did it fine. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't need you to teach them. They needed you to inspire them today and get them kind of going, you know what? Yeah, it's time I get on that science stuff, right? It's what we do. Yeah, I, uh, I, I totally identify with all of that. I, I kind of look at it, and it's, we'll pivot into our last kind of segment uh, about entrepreneurship, but mostly the game of life. But I, I kind of want to just touch on the fact that I view it as you can have winners or you can have quitters. Winners, even if they win the outcome or whatever, or if they don't, if they lose, they, that's a lesson. But if they take that learning from the lesson and then they can apply it to possibly winning. And you don't have to win the game. You have to win the puck race. Like you said, you have to find yeah. a level of win that they can achieve. And then you start getting momentum when you start piling up wins. All of a sudden, hey, I'm on the third line. Hey, I'm on the second line. Look at me go. Right. And yeah. that's what we're doing as a coach, as a teacher, as anything in business, in anything. I'm in the I'm in the interest of making better people. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Teaching, yeah. listening to this podcast whoever, whatever, here you go. This is what I know. Take it or leave it. I don't care, but that's what, that's my truth. Yeah. So to pivot, to use your word, uh, just to, <laughs> uh, you're, you had mentioned in, like I had mentioned at the start of our talk that I was really interested in that last little piece of your bio. It was just kind of flippantly in there, but I was, that jumped off the page to me that you view life kind of like a game. Maybe you just yeah. explain that statement. Yeah. And it's what I've found um, because I, I look at, at, if I, if I looked at like my private client list and like looked at, at the scope of them, um, it's, it's astronomically diverse. Mm -hmm. Um, I have people that I, I coach through, um, they're terminally ill with cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, um, young hockey players. I have, um, retiring people, first time entrepreneurs. I have people who battle chronic pain. I have people who battle mental health. I have people who are driven executives. Like there is nothing, the same about any of these people. But 
I started to realize that there are only so many human like emotions and responses. Mm -hmm. And just because that emotion is triggered by a different bullet, so to speak, it doesn't mean the root emotion is any different. Mm -hmm. Anger is anger. Um, sadness is sadness. Um, if you are if you are if you are sad beyond belief because you're dying of cancer and you are sad beyond belief because you got cut from a hockey team, it is still sadness. Mm -hmm. the, the, the the price tag, yeah, we can't compare and we won't. But but I realized that all these people had so much in common, in that so many of our coaching calls and so many of our coaching meetings, we would unpack the same words. It was just the severity of the story, but it was still the same strategies, the same trigger, like, you know what I mean? The same things. And that's when I started to realize that that we're all just playing the same game. Like we, we are all just playing the same game mm -hmm. and, and, and we're not trying to, to, to win the, the score three, two, we're trying to make it to the final buzzer. We're all playing the same game. No one actually, it's not about the score. Right, like it's about the game, and 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 life is a game. And when I look at it from that perspective, the whole process I call teammates in disguise. I really believe that the most high impact teachers, coaches, leaders, managers, mentors, all of the above, um, most high impact ones operate from the outside looking in, almost as though they're just teammates in disguise. Um, yeah, they understand they have to make tough decisions. And there's times they have to, you know, create discipline or do situations. They they don't steer clear of it they broker amazing relationships so that those little consequences and situations don't draw the relationship into a deficit. It does not mean they're not going to play hardball when they have to. They're going to do it filled with kindness. They're going to do it filled making sure that this is going to hurt, but let's make sure it hurts with the right outcome. Understanding mm -hmm. how they could have, it's one of those, give them a, give them a boot, give them a plan, give them a hug, like, and move them forward. Like, do you know what I mean? And uh, so to me, it's that situation that, that high impact leaders really just, it's one of those get on my street clothes and don't be on stage, be on the floor. Like I'm, I'm just an audience member in disguise. Someone just happened to let me on stage here. You know what I mean? Um, at the end of the day, at the front of your classroom, I'm venturing, I guess, many days you're thinking your great days when you're like, I love what I do. You're like, you know, I learned as much as my students did today. Like I learned so many little nuggets and neat things and strategies. And, and so at the end of the day, you are just a student in that classroom too. You're a, you're, you know what I mean? You're a student in disguise and you're disguised mm -hmm. as a teacher, right? And, and as a coach, I am just a teammate. I'm, if I'm not trying to achieve the same outcome as you are collectively, this is destined to fail. So if we're all competing for the same outcome, I'm on your team. Mm -hmm. Although that outcome at the end means I have a job and get paid again later and your outcome is you pass the class, but it's the same process we're going to get to get there. You're going to have the same struggles as I am, the same ups and downs, the slumps, the dry spells, the times you score goals off your shin pad. You're going to have everything, right? Like a game or like a sport. It's what makes it exciting. It's what makes it fun. It's what it, it's what keeps us up is that playing the game. Mm -hmm. It's why long after competitive careers are gone, people still play rec leagues because they still want to play the game because hockey is so much more than careers and goals. It's, they like the exercise. They've met their best friends playing hockey. They love how they have purpose twice a week and get activity. It's been good for their heart health, their mental health. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like they still want to play the game and we all just want to play the game. So at the end of the day, we are all operating as teammates in disguise. Like I said earlier, the idea that coaching is sort of a trajectory and everybody is on that trajectory. And I'm here to teach down the line and they are here to teach up the line. And my job is to facilitate in both directions. It is not deliver in one scenario.
I need to go, what I learned here, I'm going, did you guys know? And then I'm sharing best practices up and they're like, well, that doesn't, well, I'm going to go back down and then we're going to go up and then I'm going to bring down and we're just, we're facilitating everything with everybody we meet. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole, we, you know, teammates in disguise is how we need to operate. And at the end of the day, I just coach people who play the game of life. Um, and we all play that game. We all do. And there's just so many great um, anecdotes and stories. Sport is just such a great thing. You know, we always talk about, we, we learn so much about, on some level, they have still chosen to be here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We have yeah. to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, it is not that they don't want to be. It's that they're, they're not really motivated to be here, but but they they wanted to be here. This was, for some reason, they felt there was something in this room and an answer. And the first four days this week in math, it sure wasn't math because none of that hit. But yet they came Friday because they, they still need an answer out of this room. Something in this room is going to answer something for them. Yeah. Right? Sometimes the lesson is way bigger than the assignment. Right? Oh, and we're pulling we're, out. We're teaching, we're teaching subjects, but I'm not teaching anything. I'm teaching a way of living. Like I'm not yes, teaching exactly. I'm not teaching science. I'm teaching science with this model of thinking beside it. That, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's the scenario, right? And that's that's the yeah. thing. So that's sort of that whole scenario where working with that athlete, we had to we had to really be looking at it very realistically, going, you know, I've I've done the things I should have that should have worked, and they did not. So it's not about raised volume. Like I'm not gonna raise the volume and try to motivate them. No, they need me to bring it down, the messy message, share it. I get it. I remember a time and I got cut my first year. But you know what? When I really stopped to think that it wasn't more practice time because it wasn't physical skill related, I started thinking about how I interact in my job, how I was scared of getting fired every day. Um, well, because there was expectations. So now all of a sudden that creates the situation where I can learn through that and use this to get through my irrational thinking that's creating the anxiety for me. And I'm struggling in competition. So we can find so many different avenues to teach that lesson, which will uncover everything on the other side of the equation. But you know, so many people are are scared to share their own message, yeah. which again begins with a mess. That every great story started with a mess. And you know what I mean? Like it, it always does. I had someone say challenge me, well, what about the time you won somebody won the lottery ticket? Yeah. The story is they actually weren't going to buy a lottery ticket. They're like, well, how bad can it be? I might as well, yeah. it can only look up from here. They bought the ticket and they won. Like there's still a story. Like, yeah. why did they do it? Why did they buy the ticket? And the stories are so important. And people, you want to get students sharing their stories. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to do that is to share your stories, right? Mm -hmm. or, or set the tone for what is allowed here, being vulnerable. Um, when I look at my 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 show, people that have been to my show, and you've been to my my magic comedy, my stand-up magic comedy show. If you look at that situation now, and if you look at the whole scope of the room, because in that situation, it's a pretty intense environment for the for the non-performer to be on the stage. Well, they're not usually on a stage, but this is one of those. Everybody's laughing, and he's a comedian. They might be laughing at me. Like that's nerve-wracking. That is a terrifying thought in their headspace, right? Yeah. But if you remember my opening monologue, my first five minutes of my stand-up set is all low swinging humor at myself. Right. It is all making fun of my idiosyncrasies and how they've caused me grief and how they created some of the awkward, funny situations and stories to tell I today. So the first thing I did was go, oh, oh, and don't think I'm above pointing out your mistakes today either. Like I've set the tone that yeah. we're okay, yeah. right? Um, and that is a huge one is that when you kind of go, you know what, this is what I want you to be to me, which is kind, 
and encouraging me to share my stories and my wisdom and my vulnerability and you want to get to know me as a teacher, you want to know who my favorite NHL team is, the best way to do that is ask you who yours is. And even though we're not connecting the classroom, we can always do the head and shame shake when my team lost to your team last night. And, and we can connect over that, hoping that at some point in time there's a trade and we talk about that trade and how it's good for the team and how do you think that's going to change the salary cap. And now we've connected and now we've got a chance. Hmm. Now we've got a chance because that kid needs to be vulnerable to say, I'm just, oh, I hate failure. I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. Mm. Okay, we got you there. Because it comes out. All of a sudden, you're talking about the NHL team, and you're like, why do you think Dreisaitl didn't perform as well there, but he's performing better here? You know what? I just think he looked really tense. And he was just he didn't, he didn't feel comfortable in the environment. He needed to surround himself with good people. And, oh, so now all of a sudden, you're thinking, you know, this is the kid that we're trying to get through because he's not hanging around with the white kids outside of the classroom. He's just opened the door to how important it is to surround yourself with the right people who will help you be who you want to be. It's like, that isn't absolutely right. Because if you're with pessimists in the dressing room or you can now create this story around a conversation point and you can really create, because they were vulnerable without actually saying anything. You heard the secondary conversation. You're like, boom, I now have an end to the conversation by sharing how I was the outsider and made a bad choice and eventually made the right choice. And thank gosh I did. Or how a superstar he likes in the NFL or the NHL has, has surrounded himself with better people and has gone into grow to more like, that is the value and the power of teaching is you need to find the stories. It's one of those, what stories do I need to tell these people today? What do they need to hear? And I don't know until I get them answering some questions. And in order to get them to answering questions, I need to get them telling some stories. That's where the gold is. Mm -hmm. I need to get them telling some stories. Let's go back to that. How do I get a common thread that we can all talk around that has nothing to do with the anxiety situation that we are brought together around. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter how much we argued in class today, I'll still high five you on the way in next morning yeah. because yay Oilers, like we're both Oilers fans. Like yeah. we will always find a connection point to make them know that, you know what, you, there's still light here. I'm still in your corner. You're not in the doghouse forever. You always have a way out with me. Trust me. Do you know what I mean? Like we yeah. set those relationships. We learn so much or sport can teach us so much about life. We've all heard the statement, but we forget the second half of it. Life can teach you just as much about sport. Right. This isn't the end of the world. What should frustrate me right now and hurt is that I didn't do the work I was supposed to before the moment that mattered. That I got to figure out why I got to, I got to work on. It's not the loss. It's that the loss hurts because I didn't own my weakness. I didn't own the fact that I didn't do the work I was supposed to. My weakness was I didn't bring what I was supposed to do to play today. And that's why this hurts so much. Right. Yeah. I, I also picked up on this little piece and it kind of plays into, I too share this idea that life is a bit of a game. And my idea is there's a clock on this game. And if you're lucky, it's like 82 and I'm at yeah. 27, which means that I have X amount of time left on the clock. I want to yeah. maximize the amount of impact and good and story that I can make. Cause we're both storytellers. I want to collect as many good stories. And that means doing good things for other people as I can yeah. before uh, the buzzer goes. Cause I don't know what's next. But right now I'm here and I want to I want to get a new high score and it doesn't have to be money. It can be whatever we are interested in. Right. So that's kind of yeah. just to, to take that one step further. That's kind of where I'm at as well. Absolutely. I love I it. Wanna, I love it. Yeah. Take it. Leave it. Like I said, I don't I, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not really married to my thoughts. I just tell people this is what I'm thinking currently. And in 20 minutes, I might have changed because squirrel. You, you, uh, you, 100%. You know what? And, and that's that is such an impactful statement. Um, 
to say it because I'm, I'm a huge believer that if we don't look back and regret a decision we made in good faith prior because we just didn't know better, right. we haven't evolved and changed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We all, in, in, growing by definition means, yeah, I did some stuff I didn't like. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I, if I don't regret anything I've ever done or attempted, I, I've also never gone this way. I'm still standing where I am, yeah. right? Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. I love, I could talk to you for three hours on a podcast with coaching teaching. This stuff just fires my soul. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Wisdom comes from pain and pain comes from wisdom. So, uh, yes, unfortunately it's, it's kind of a yin and yang. You got to do it. Uh, so just to kind of bring us to a close, I kind of want to <laughs> unpack just quickly because I'm really concerned with the curriculum. I think we as teachers do a great job, but I think our curriculum is hot garbage and it's getting worse. Uh, and as somebody who's an entrepreneurial leader coach mindset what are some things that you wish you could see in the coaching or in the school curriculum what are some things you wish we taught explicitly uh, human humanizing the messages of it all mm -hmm. i mean at the end of the day um i I, th I think the challenge the challenge is not in in technology for example it's that we don't exercise our ability and power to be more powerful to these people than technology um so so our, our disconnection is 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 not the next generation's fault I mean, we can sit here and go this this new generation just wants to sit and play video games well you know you know somebody somebody got them there or allowed them to be there and and that was our generation um you, you know what i mean like so we have to find that paradigm and i think we have to humanize this a little more and go you know um why are um why are we missing certain pieces like why why are we um why are we not changing our thinking while we're trying to change someone else's like isn't that isn't that one of those nah no 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 don't change no you guys need to open your mind because i in the next 12 years think about think about the, the 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 story you're telling them in a 12 year journey you're like if you imagine first day kindergarten is like listen you're never going to probably be able to firsthand validate witness or experience any of the mind-blowing stuff that i'm about to teach you in the next 12 years until after you've learned that message but you don't know me and you're just gonna have to trust me that i'm telling you the truth because some of this is gonna sound so amazing they're gonna be like that's a fairy tale for real like do you know what i mean and I, and i think that 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 needs to be sort of the situation a bit more i uh i spend the first little bit of every science class i talk about how we are all made of carbon molecules we are organic beings carbon was formed in a star there was no carbon until there were stars that star had to explode and die reform on earth some funky shit i don't know what happened happened and you're alive how cool is that and yeah. i think if you if you teach wonder and you also teach like outside of the textbook outside of the worksheet this is what we're gonna do in real life uh we need to work like in school, we teach them to perform individually. And then in life, you have to work as a team. Why? Uh, so that's kind of the, the second thesis of this uh, this uh, podcast or whatever yeah. this program is. Uh, it's like the first is uh, I kind of like teaching and I just like to share. And the second is COVID changed the game and it's jump ball across the business world. And teaching yeah. is a very important business and social institution. It's kind of both. but you can also make some adjustments and yeah. 
we can we can talk about the curriculum, but that would get me in trouble. So uh, yes, I, I want to thank you for donating your time, your wisdom, and I love jamming on coaching with you. That was a whole lot of fun. Where can people find you? Oh yeah, currently right now uh, in my basement every day of the week, pretty much just in the office. But um, yeah, I mean, genuinely speaking, um, you can find me at trevormore.ca uh, on the internet and uh, on social media at Trevor Moore Inc. And that's Inc. is an incorporated, not Inc. like the tattoo. So Trevor Moore Inc. Uh, at Trevor Moore Inc. So yeah, and and uh, I'm reasonably active on all the platforms. I'm gonna start tightening my scope and having some fun there, but so much good teaching and coaching stuff out there in the so like what yeah. what what day and age to be a teacher or coach with the access to the information we have on social media at our hands. Like it's unbelievable how quickly we can connect with people and and do like things like this. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. things like this. And here's the irony of this whole scenario. Again, this goes back to our various first connection was on a golf course unrelated to this vision ever being a potential reality that we're experiencing today. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But totally. it, but it just it it created just sort of some organic connections, which is like you know what I'm going to reach out and I mean like it just yeah. it's great yeah and yeah, I it's, think it's uh, democratized it's democratized knowledge in my opinion so you and I can jab we can hope I learned a lot from you hopefully you learned one thing from me hundred percent the youth me yeah absolutely no I've never I've never left a conversation that I wanted to be in where I didn't feel like I learned some awesome. um, and some sometimes what you learn is not what you wanted to learn like I said sometimes we have to be open to learning those lessons because they're not always fun but we learn something in every situation. And the more we mirror that in the school system, the more uh, I think we get uh, the success we need to. Amazing. Thanks, Trevor. All right. Take it easy. Okay. That brings us to the end of today's program. Thank you to Trevor for imparting your wisdom and sharing with us your time and expertise. And thank you to the listener for hanging in to the end of the show. If you liked it, give us a rating. Five out of five, you think. Four out of five if it sucked or worse, whatever. Uh, and like and share anything you see on Instagram or Twitter. I lo I'd love to keep this thing growing. All right, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm not going to